welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by all of my awesome co-hosts this week. Me, Nate Heininger. Laura Nash. And Shane. And this week we're talking about a highly anticipated mobile, and I think also Steam game, by a developer that is in the god-tier pantheon for us here at The Short Game. Uh, and that is Photographs by developer Luca Redwood. Um, I, I, we're going to talk a lot about photographs on the episode here today, but I just I, I, I can't say the name Luca Redwood without explaining why I am obsessed with You Must Build a Boat. And by you, you mean all of us. We um, must build a boat. We have built many boats. I've built so many boats. So I went back and looked at the spreadsheet for our podcast where I keep a record of what games we've talked about. And despite never covering it on a podcast, we have talked about You Must Build a Boat on over 20 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and never once 21. covered it. So we so this are is still our not chance. covering it. But Luca, we love your game and can't stop talking about it in other episodes. <laughs> yeah, we have been talking about You Must Build a Boat on and off pretty much since I played it for the first time, which must have been within a couple of weeks of its original release. That game is amazing. Um, the short version, if you haven't played, you must build a boat. First of all, just go get it on your phone. It's one of those games that like, I have never removed from my phone since I got it. Um, it is I played a... through it about a month ago. Yeah, Completely. yeah. Completely, yeah, I, top to bottom. I, I don't think I usually do like a full playthrough. I'll go back in and play like three or four levels, but it's a it's a wonderful, it's a sequel to another game called... Um, I, I one never Billion? One, was one Billion. Is it One Billion? Thank you. It's It's... it's one zeros, many zeros, and so I never remember exactly which denomination it is. But uh, one billion and you must build a boat are both uh, tile moving puzzle games. So if you've played puzzle games in which you sort of slide tiles around to Match make matches, threes. exactly, um, it's one of those. But it ties that into a kind of an action game. So you're playing a matching puzzle game on one part of your screen, while at the top of your screen, a little character is running through a dungeon and you're doing your matches to sort of assist them in fighting monsters. So you might come up against a monster that you need to cast a fire spell to kill. You need to start matching things in order to match fire things in order to do a a fire spell to take out that monster. And it makes the action of the puzzle game kind of come alive in a way that it doesn't in a lot of matching puzzle games. I just, I really, really enjoy that game. Um, I go back to it It's the perfect mix of uh, kind of mindless pull-out-and-play game and uh, action-adventure um, with a kind of a build to it. So yeah. I was super excited when I saw that he had a new puzzle game that's really going to drive hard into the story elements. So yeah. this this game got me hooked. Yeah, uh, You Must Build but a Boat let's is not talk about no this story. game at all. Let's spend the whole episode talking about You Must Build a Boat. <laughs> I was just going to say, You Must Build a Boat has no story. So when he said he was making a story game, I was like, is it about how boats are great? And also there might be mummies. Uh, yes, I wish. No, th- this game is, this game and uh, and photographs and You Must Build a Boat could not be more different. Um, they look different. They play completely differently. They are, vi- this is a huge departure for someone who's, First two games that I, at least I'm familiar with had a lot in common. Uh, this game is a complete departure. Um, so he's trying a lot of new things here. Um, and so I, I was really looking forward to playing this. Um, I think it's a pretty interesting game and we have a few things to say about it. I think some of us had an easier time with it than others. Basically, I'm the puzzle dunce. So that probably affected my experience. 
Um, but I don't know, Shane, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about how photographs actually works? Like what is, how does the gameplay work in this game? Sure thing. Um, so this is a game that tries to bring together um, a series of five different puzzle mechanics or uh, different styles of, of puzzle with a, uh, a series of five different uh, tragic tales. And uh, so the basic feel of this game is that you're going to be playing these, some of them are more unusual than others, but uh, pretty um, uh, pretty simple puzzle games where you're doing things like you might do in any puzzle game on a, on a phone. You're doing uh, line puzzles, uh, tile puzzles, sliding block puzzles. Tangrams. Tangrams, yep, that's what I'm thinking about, tile puzzle. Like a, there's, a, there's even the... Uh, most familiar for this developer, uh, the match three puzzle. But every one of these has a twist to it. And uh, what they're really going for here is that the that each puzzle is different from the previous one in some way. Each one changes uh, its puzzle mechanic in a way that tracks along with the story that that puzzle is associated with. And so the flow of the game is that uh, you're going to be getting a little bit of story and a little bit of puzzle, and a little bit of story and a little bit of puzzle. Um, it starts off by telling you uh, that five souls seek your aid. And so you're going to play through these five different stories. There's, uh, without spoiling too much, I'll just tell you the names of these chapters. There's the alchemist, the athlete, the jailer, the journalist, and the preventer. Um, and that the flow of this is that you're basically uh, presented with a location, uh, like a house or a cliffside or valley, uh, something along those lines. And kind of from the name of the game, you start by uh, identifying an object in that scene. It's kind of a Where's Waldo element to it. Uh, you'll you'll tap on the screen. And you'll go into a camera viewfinder and you're taking a photograph of something. Uh, and it'll it'll give you an idea of what you might be uh, might be looking for. Sometimes they're more clear, sometimes they're more vague. Uh, the uh, this really brings focus onto the pixel art. Because you're really looking closely at the pixel art. Uh, and then when you find the item in question, uh, you hover over it, you snap a picture of it. And it unlocks the next puzzle. I want to talk a little bit about, before we go too far from that, I want to talk a little bit about how this game looks because it is a really striking looking game. This game, uh, the art, um, Luca Redwood, I think he did his own art for You Must Build a Boat and earlier games. And his pixel art in those games was, you know, very functional, but very um, pretty, pretty basic. And, you know, it didn't need to be great. You know, it was a, pu- it was a match three puzzle game and it it functioned exactly as it needed to yeah and it was fast paced so there there wasn't like a whole lot of time you were sitting to stare at those things anyway yeah exactly but this game is all about observing these sort of dioramas uh, that are meant to kind of tell the story of the game and so he went to i think the go-to pixel art diorama guy which is uh, octavi navarro uh, he is pixels huh on twitter and i've been following him on twitter for a long time he worked on thimbleweed park 
uh, which I actually still haven't played. Um, I have it on my Switch. It's been there since it, the Switch version came out. I still haven't gotten into it, but I have been following Octavio Navarro's art for a long time because he does these incredibly lush, detailed, and just really, really good uh, pixel art uh, pieces that are just sort of intended as art, not as like game art, but just straight up as art. And his his art is usually in this kind of style that resembles this game a lot. These sort of cutaway dioramas of buildings with a lot of life going on inside of them. And these very expressive, but very simple sort of stick-like pixel art characters living their lives in these, in these little dioramas. And uh, this game kind of brings his art to life in a way that is like I, I 100% see why Luca would have gone to Octavio Navarro for this because th- their their styles really work perfectly together. Yeah, for and this. as Shane mentioned, it by bringing to life your you look at the scene, you find a photograph that matches a cue. Uh, it opens up a puzzle you solve it you get a little bit of story you go back to the diorama new things might change it it, it feels like it's evolving 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 throughout the story and then it's all thrown away for the next story which is completely different mechanics and a completely different scene and completely different characters and and everything it's also worth mentioning that the entire story element is voice acted uh the sound of this game is really good uh there's music by ben prunty who we've Loved many games with his, uh, I, I own his FTL soundtrack on vinyl. It's awesome. The, uh, kind of across the board, all the audio is good, but I would really especially say, I thought that the voice acting was really great. Um, if this is a game where you might have those moments where you want to pull the game out of your pocket and play it for, you know, see if you can beat that one puzzle while you're standing in an elevator or something. And that, it plays great like that. But if you can play it with headphones, uh, I would recommend. Yeah, I agree. The audio was pretty good. Uh, the soundtrack is, uh, you know, it, it's it's fairly simple, but that's sort of what Ben Prunty does. He does these sort of um, uh, sort of minimalist soundscapes that I thought it worked really well. You know, I don't think there's anything in this that I'm going to be like um, pulling up on Spotify unless I'm trying to kind of mellow out. But it's uh, it's definitely, I think, a pretty good soundtrack from a accomplished musician. For me, puzzle games um, or even narrative games, like it, it's an odd thing to go back and forth between because in a narrative game, I want the uh, soundtrack to help tell the story and set a mood. And in a puzzle game, I want it to uh, be allowed to loop endlessly while I get stuck on something that should be taking me about 30 seconds. So it, it's interesting that the music is one for the whole level. I, I never was annoyed by it, um, which to me is what I want out of a puzzle game. And for the narrative, I never felt like it was um, at odds with the story. So that to me, I don't, I can't remember any of the tunes, but I don't think that's what I want out of a puzzle soundtrack. things that works the best for me personally um, in this game where they're really trying to meld story and puzzle or bring story out through puzzle is the places where they take a very common puzzle mechanic like something like match three and find a way to have a 
something that works as a match three puzzle, but also works as a beat in the story. Without spoiling too much, uh, from one of the later sections, there's a puzzle where the main character is trying to put out a fire, right? And this is a this is in a match three section. We'll talk more about these sections later and their mechanics, I guess. Try and keep some of that under spoiler wraps. But you are in these puzzles. You're you you have these different elemental powers at your disposal, and in this one, you're trying to put out a fire. The people that you're trying to save, because each of these puzzles has little people that are the, the objective is to save these people or to move them to the bottom of the screen, which is saving them. And there's uh, flammable stuff, there's fire, and then there's uh, smoke. Uh, so it sets a visual scene, and then uh, the tools that you have at your disposal are uh, water and some of your kind of magic uh, powers that you have. And that works on the level of a puzzle because it's an effective kind of twist of the puzzle mechanics for that section that have been set up so far. Uh, and it subverts them in a way by saying, okay, you only have water. And it highlights the story by saying, okay, you are saving these people from a fire. So all of that stuff is coming together. There's like a narrative importance. Uh, there's a twist to the puzzle mechanic that reinforces that narrative. That narrative, And there's also a kind of a resolution to the story that comes after that when you do that saving. So you're you're usually in this game going to see something different every puzzle. Not all the time is it something that's super strictly related to the story beat, in my opinion, but enough of the time it is that it feels like there's this uh, harmony between the two. And so if that's something that appeals to you, uh, then this is going to be a game that I think you'll like. And that was something, that was the part of the game that worked the best for me. I think I agree with you about that and that like that's clearly what they're going for. But I, I kind of feel like this, that that didn't work as often or more often than it did. Like there's so, they're obviously trying to reinforce their narrative and their themes through the through the puzzle mechanics. Um, and that's really cool when it works, like the moment that you mentioned, or um, there are quite a few moments in the third story, the jailer, that uh, you know you could feel the uh, one set of characters sort of forcing the other characters out of their land, so to speak, just because of the way that the puzzles pieces wouldn't quite fit together. Uh, it made it, uh, it did sort of it did sort of work to reinforce the story, but at least as often it just it didn't really feel like it was reinforcing the story and at worst it really felt to me like i mean this is again probably me puzzle dunce on the show having having a hard time with it but like there were many times in this game where i would get stuck on a puzzle and the narrative grinds to a halt this game is set up to feed you the story in like one sentence portions and it's you know spoon feeding you that story one sentence or you know, one paragraph at a time um, as you solve these puzzles. And some of them go pretty fast, but other times if you, you know, if you, when I got stuck on a puzzle in this game, uh, I would sometimes be stuck on a puzzle for quite a long time. And I'd come back to the story, almost not even remembering where I was or, or, you know, at the very least feeling the sort of narrative flow having been disrupted to the point where I, I thought it was really detrimental to the storytelling. I mean, I did have, when I got stuck, my first reaction was, and I will fully disclose that I used to work on kids games. So having 
any kind of puzzle game without hint options was not like a thing. I, I always will design a hint system. I also work for really um, busy adults who don't want to learn how to use very complex software. So I'm used to like, I, I will say over rely on hint systems. So I was a little surprised given the narrative that there wasn't a little bit of hinting happening in this game because I think that would have helped the flow because when I got in the flow, I do think that complimentary back and forth was really there, was really helpful. When the flow got broken, I did feel it. It was a little frustrating. Normally in a puzzle game, if I got stuck, I would drop, go away, come back. This being a narrative game, I felt the need to go forward. At times that helped. If the character was in a frustrating place and I was having a frustrating time. Sometimes the complication feels purposeful where if I was supposed to be stuck or it was supposed to be a really hard decision, I felt fine staying in that moment, feeling that frustration, that complexity, that hard decision. So it's hard for me to say it should be easier or there should be hints, but at times I felt like that was not something that they wanted me to be stuck in. So it, it's, it's a hazard of trying to tie narrative to puzzle is that occasionally the narrative will get stopped. And are you staying in the moment or are you um, going to just be on pause? It's something I talked about when we were, I mean, just last episode, when we were talking about uh, Baba is you and how much I loved the way that that game didn't have a story because with a puzzle game, I think that's, this is probably just me or, you know, people like me, but for me, when you tie puzzle to story, I get so much more frustrated with my inability to solve a puzzle because I'm also blocked from continuing the story. And also this game doesn't have any like option to just go solve a different puzzle or to, you know, it, it, if you if you get to a puzzle that you can't solve or think you can't solve, you are at a wall until you solve it. And I don't think that's about making it easier. I don't need a hint system necessarily. I just need a way to not, to be able to spend time with the game where if I'm stuck on something, I don't just sit there staring at my iPad getting angrier for, you know, however long it takes me before I give up and come back to it later. That's very fair. This is a game where if you are, if you are stuck, there's no alternate routes or, or any way to uh, maybe pause one story and try and go and pro progress another one. Yeah, that that would have been a great option. Like if I was really stuck on a story, maybe let me switch over to a different one for a while or something. I don't know. This is a game where like I was playing it in bursts. Um, every one of these stories is about half an hour worth of mm -hmm. time. And, you know, I, there were times I got stuck on a puzzle, switched over to Reddit, goofed around for a few minutes, came back, showed my wife, said, how do I solve this? And we got <laughs> through it in the same next thing. five minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. I wish for narrative continuity's sake that when I saw, I I wish every developer did this. At the beginning of the game, it says there are multiple, there are five stories, each should take about 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Then I said, okay, I had opened it on a lunch break. I was like, I have to go back to work in 15 minutes. I'll come back and do the first one. What I can do a story at a time in a sitting. For me, I think that that is super praiseworthy. Thank you very much for putting that note in. I would have played this game, gotten mad that I was halfway through the first story and had to go. But when I started the game, I played the first story and took a break because I 
was totally expecting something very different. I was not prepared for this to be a tragic oh, game. Man. I yeah. thought the pixel art and the language was preparing me for a much lighter story. I thought it was going to be a little silly. I thought it was going to be, I mean, you you come up across an old man and his daughter and they're in a cottage. And I thought like, what are these like wacky adventures these fun. guys going to get into? Yeah. And then it They're going to really... face some adversity, but look how much they love each other. This is going to be okay. I didn't read anything about it being tragic. So I oh, it's was, a bummer. Oh, it's a bunch it's a of bummer. bummers. It's a bunch of bummers. They are tragic. They are sad. Sometimes the pixel art, I think, can be at odds for the tragedy um, because it made me think that the pixel art was funny when something very bad was happening to people. But sometimes it was very moving. So it, you know, it, it was something I wasn't expecting. So I had my first thirty minutes. I took a break. I was then prepared to go back and play the other stories. So I, I really do think that changed the way I thought about the mine. I was really not expecting the first story, uh, which I won't spoil, but to be as sad and as twisty as it was. And I needed to take a break. Yeah, we'll have a spoiler break towards the end of the episode to talk about some of the specifics here. And we are kind of talking in circles around like, what is so tragic about these? I, I, I guess... I guess my question about the tone for you guys is like, how how earned did you feel like it was? Like these stories, um, they worked for me to varying degrees. Some of them were quite strong and others felt like they were biting off a little more than they could chew or a little more than they could sort of like yeah. narratively manage to say something valuable about. I don't know. I, I So a couple thoughts. Um, First, on, on the puzzle versus narrative side, I definitely think that this is a game that thought it was narrative first and puzzle second, but when playing, it's more puzzle first and narrative second. That's a really good point. I think that's sometimes where this odds that you were feeling, Reagan, comes at. Mm. Um, and then that just comes down to, like, your mileage may vary depending on how comfortable and how much you enjoy puzzles. Um and then from the, the tonal aspect, it was a little bit surprising. Like, okay, cool. What horrible thing is going to happen to this uh, sad sack? You know, I, I was not expecting that either. It's not like Zack Snyder. Don't worry. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's not that kind of dark. You know, I um, I also think like they definitely, they, they did like a first episode sort of thing with like the, the very first one. I think it gives you a good ride. You know, the first story has a lot of ups and downs and I think that was very targeted which one they which one he chose to be the first one but I guess after that first one I was like well any you know all bets are off yeah yeah you know they're all gonna be a bunch of bummers at that point Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I am really curious why these stories and I don't want to talk too much about what they're about but they're very different and the scale I suppose is very different like some of them are very personal stories some of them are much larger uh, moral questions Uh, other are kind of sci-fi there's a lot of variation um, and they move throughout time it was a very I kept thinking if this was a short story collection like what would the collection be about other than regrets it was very interesting I don't think I should have thought it while I was playing, but I, I, I will say the diversity of the stories and the diversity of the characters was something I appreciated, but it didn't make it feel like it was 
uh, a looser narrative than I may have been expecting on the tin. To me, I think these stories are more about tone than they are about uh, detail. Like they, they have a cohesive narrative and they are kind of tied together at the end. Uh, but it's uh, it's more about the tone. Uh, and it's sort of like, to try and sum it up, these are like five tiny tragic tales uh, that you might want to play if you maybe felt like you need a good cry um, and also want to be frustrated by puzzles. So um, <laughs> the overall arching tone to this is just regret, uh, which isn't something that you get in a ton of video games as like the overall feel. And it's definitely not something I've ever seen in a puzzle game. So I'll give it uniqueness there. It is both nothing like Edith Finch and very like Edith Finch in that I liked some of them many, much, much more than others. And it feels like a short story collection with gaming elements. And yeah, I think that's a great comp, actually. Yeah, Yeah. that's actually um, that's a much better comparison than what when I originally saw the, you know, announcements and everything about this game. I mean, this game was very different from what I was expecting based on its uh, based on the tweets and trailers and things that I had seen. It's I mean, it's, it, it was a real surprise in exactly how it worked. Um, I was expecting, first of all, I was expecting the the photo taking mechanic to be much more central to the game. Um, I, the game is called Photographs. I was expecting the photo taking mechanic to be sort of the key part of the game, and I was expecting the game to use that photo taking mechanic as its primary device for telling its story. Um, I was, ex- and I, I sort of was sort of expecting some kind of like pixel art Gorgoa or like a 2D Gone Home or something like that, where I was going to be examining these spaces, taking photographs and learning about the, the story of the characters by taking the photographs. And this game doesn't do that almost at all. The photo taking mechanic is used primarily just sort of like as a like way to click on the next puzzle. And most of the time when it tells you to find something, you know, and take a photo of it, you're, it's mostly asking you to, to find things that are pretty much tangential to the, to the story at hand. You know, it's like uh, hot air and you take a photo of a hot air balloon floating above the building in question or perch, take a photo of a perching bird that's perching on top of the building in question. Sometimes the things that it asks you to photograph relate to the story, but almost never does it tell story with that mechanic, which I thought was like, I was, I was very surprised by that. A little disappointed, frankly, because I, I was kind of expecting more of like an, um, um, meaningful hooks. Well, yeah, I was expecting to, I was expecting it to be more like, um, uh, environmental storytelling mm. and it doesn't really play that card at all, which was very surprising to me. I kind of disagree with you there because the function of the photographs mechanic was that every time you advance the story, you're also evolving the scene. You know, sure, yeah. people will move. Uh, the you know, it's a diorama that changes with every single puzzle that you do, and that is part of the story. Is seeing, you know, these sometimes lovely places go to shit. I guess. I guess what I mean about it is that like seeing, observing. Uh, the photo, the photo taking mechanic is clearly about asking you to closely observe the diorama, um, and so that is obviously like that's important to the to the 
progress of the story. It's important that you observe the, the scene of the game before you move on to your next puzzle. Um, I just mean what they ask you to photograph doesn't seem to, like, the actual task that it's asking you to, to do there doesn't feel particularly story related. Yeah, I'm going to put on my uh, uh, asshole arty glasses and say the photographs feel more like a tone poem. Let me explain. I know that's a horrible thing to say, but really, I, mean, I think, for example, you mentioned hot air. That's at a time when the story is really positive. Things are looking up, like literally things are looking up. You take pictures of pretty things, like you, you take pictures of positive things at t- positive times in the life. As things change, you start taking more nostalgic photos. You start taking sadder photos. I think it's more about the mood of the photo than mm. necessarily what it what it, you're taking a photo of. Like you, sh- you shift where you're pointing your eye and they want you to look at the sadder parts of a diorama rather than the positive ones. So I yeah. think it's less about what you're taking a picture of and changing the mood through the photos you're taking. So that didn't bother me, the individual photos. I mean, sometimes I take photos of weird stuff and I look back and I'm like, oh, why was I taking a ton of photos of how bad the snow was? Like, didn't I, you know, see anything more positive at that point in my life? Like, Yeah, I think it's totally it, it, fair. Like, that's a really good point. And I, I think I just went into it with like my environmental storytelling goggles on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I completely understand that wanting it to really be like a, I think it's just a little more subtle. And I mean, as a um, as a huge fan of Octavi Navarro's art, um, I play that game with his art all the time. You know, his his art is full of these little dioramas that tell a story, or more often, many stories going on at once. And the act of sort of like looking for those details that hint at narrative in his art is why I enjoy looking at his art. So I was kind of expecting to do more of that in this game and I kind of felt like, I don't know, it was it, it served a different function in this than I was expecting. Would you feel differently if the name of the game wasn't Photographs? I might, yeah. I mean, it was mm-hmm. like, the, 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 the photographs, there's like the narrative, there's the puzzles, and then the photograph mechanic is like a distant third in the sort of like ways that this game conveys its ideas. Yeah, because that's what sticks out to me. They do bring that uh, back in the ending, at least the ending that I saw. They kind of tied up the mm-hmm. the photographs mechanic. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's uh, good to hear. Story. And I, I, if I haven't said so already on this episode, I'll say I have not finished this game. I played through four of the five stories and got stuck on a puzzle and couldn't complete the game in time for recording, which, you know... It happens. So apologies in advance if I have said anything that would uh, look foolish to someone who has completed the game. But this is my experience. I think it's fair. I, I think you are collecting photographs and it, to me, does convey this kind of nostalgic regret because, you know, it's you're, you're taking photos of a time that doesn't exist anymore. I agree that sometimes it is not as fulfilling as I would like it to be, but I did appreciate, again, at the end that it does tie it together. Mm. So it, it is a bit of a shame. I, 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 I will say my personal favorite pairing of mechanic and story is the absolute last <laughs> game. Oh, like well. The first and last to me are, are really my favorite pairings of mechanic and story. Uh, they're also arguably my favorite stories. They're the ones that I didn't have any, like, quibbles on narrative or any, you know, little quibbles on, uh, you know, I'm not a huge Tangram puzzler, so I think that also helps. But yeah, I, I do think that it does give a strong start and ending. 
keep that in mind if you are getting stuck. Yeah, yeah. you know, you know what this game makes me think of is like that band that puts out like two punk rock albums and then they do a whole bunch of mushrooms and put out a third album. Uh-huh. <laughs> it like it really works if you're it's in the, the people right. who are like Pinkerton is the best Weezer album and all the others yeah. are terrible. You gotta you gotta be right in the right mind space, and if you are, it's definitely the best album that that band put out. You know, that's how it feels like. You must build a boat compared to photographs. <laughs> Again, I took a big big break between the first story and the next because I needed to completely re- revise my expectations, and I think it really helped me like the game more. Yeah, yeah. I think I wish I had gone into this more prepared for what it was. I um, I, I wasn't going into this thinking I was going to be playing, you know, you must build a camera or something. But I, I, I wasn't quite prepared for just how bleak and dark it was. And I also wasn't quite prepared for the type of puzzles this game was going to throw at us. I, I liked a lot of them quite a bit. But when I didn't, they were very frustrating. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. And I don't want to dwell too long before we get to our things that are making us happy because I could could use it after some of the bleakness ha um, and then of course our spoiler break but yeah I, I I will say I did not love all of the puzzles in this game uh, the puzzles that are line drawing puzzles that come in the journalist section mm. uh, I found particularly um, not ideal they were either all really easy or really hard and there was no middle ground and I just wasn't a fan of the mechanic. I completely agree. I got really frustrated with a couple of those and you know even after sitting and asking my wife if she could help which is usually my go-to when I'm really stuck on a puzzle because she's better at them than I am. Mm-hmm. Neither of us could get same them figured Two out. Are better than one. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately it's an ungoogleable name so if you're trying to look for a walkthrough just you know there are some let's plays on YouTube, yeah. I think, um, but it, it's not like you can find a walkthrough easily for this game because it's called Photographs. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite puzzle mechanics were the ones for the Preventer, which was a very interesting twist on match three. Mm-hmm. Um, the Athlete, which was a really terrific pachinko style puzzle game. That one was pretty cool. And probably third place would be either the alchemist or the jailer but it's it's kind of a mixed bag from there on down. I quite liked the alchemist puzzles now there were there were, you know there were places where to I got me stuck those are sokoban too, puzzles and I hate sokoban I hate sokoban puzzles but I loved the way it communicated the narrative so I was able to put up with it yeah <laughs> that didn't even really feel like a sokoban puzzle to me I liked the way that you um <sighs> It's funny, it reminded me a lot of For a For people of a who don't know game. what that is, it's the slidey puzzle. Yeah, yeah, sort of a sliding bo- blocks puzzle. But the, the twist here was that you're controlling both... Pokemon <laughs> Ice Dungeon. Po- or Pokemon uh, Ice... Uh, what do you call it? The Ice Gym. That's what it was. Yes, the Ice Gym. You got there eventually. The, the, the sort of twist on the mechanic is that what you're controlling two characters and you control them both with the same movements. So when you swipe left, they, they both go left. Swipe right, they both go right. And they can only ever go as far as they can go and hit a wall and then stop. Um, what's, what's funny was it really reminded me of one of my favorite mobile games that I've probably never shouted out on this show, so maybe it's worth doing. And that's um, Tomb of the Mask. It's a game that has like a bunch of freemium BS in it, so that sucks. But if you if you like uh, like a good mobile uh, action game, it, it has that same mechanic where you, you when you're moving a character, 
the character always goes absolutely as far in the direction you tell them to go as they possibly can and then hit a wall and stop. And it's about trying to figure out how to maneuver within that restriction. You can't, you know, I, I wanna go from here, from A to B, but I can't, I can only go from A to X. And then I have to figure out a way to you know, move in such a way that I can uh, stop where I actually wanna stop. It's quite neat. Um, so I, I, I thought those puzzles were quite good. And I, uh, overall, I think the puzzles are good. It's just that there's a really wide range of difficulties. And when you're stuck, you're stuck. It, it, you know, we've, we've talked that through. Well, let's talk about what's making us happy for this week. Yes, uh, we are going to have a spoiler break to discuss specifics of some of the stories. Uh, so if you want a more in-depth discussion of in what way these stories were bummers, <laughs> then we'll have that after the spoiler break. So well, who doesn't want that? What a tease. Wow. Well, also, <laughs> Shane and I reveal what we chose for our endings. That's right, you have, a, you have multiple endings, what a shock. Tantalizing, right? So if you wanna stick around after the spoiler break, we'll be discussing specifics of the five stories of the game. Uh, but before we do that, we, I think we all need something making us happy after all of these bummers. So Laura, what is making you happy this week? Well, I am not sad that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, one of my favorite shows, just wrapped up this week, but I am over the moon over how it ended the fact that they concluded with a live concert special called something like, Yes, We're Really Singing, and they had mm. the best numbers of the show out. And also that for once, my little show that no one seemed to watch but critics loved is just getting so much coverage. So I can finally revel in Game of Thrones level coverage for my little weird musical show, which includes Wikipedia has its themes listed as mental illness, female sexuality in the reproductive system, and parenting. I really dispute the last one. Huh. But anyway, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend's so weird. It is a rom-com musical uh, where people are dealing with really complicated stuff and they parody songs. And I can't believe that the show got four seasons and ended on its own terms. If you didn't watch the show at all, honestly, the finale could have been your first show. <laughs> like it's, hmm. it's, a, it's a good encapsulation of the whole series. But the concert special where they just performed songs, including an entire like montage of all their sexy songs, most of them were much, much funnier than sexy. Um, mm. It just made my day. Uh, it is clear that there's a bunch of real big geeks who are gonna do really interesting things from now on, are now kind of free to do their own thing. So Crazy Ex-Girlfriend ending is not making me happy, but the way it ended is pretty much perfect and i usually hate finales so that's amazing that's awesome. tough bar game of thrones you're going to not satisfy me. <laughs> crazy ex-girlfriend did i i got one show that ended this year that i'm happy about the ending and that's all i want <laughs> it feels like it used to be that shows never had good endings but that's a trend that's starting to turn around in the other direction and i'm so here for it i mean i'm hope i'm hopeful for jane the virgin like also winning this year. And a lot of shows, like their entire purpose is to go as long as they can until the network tells them to stop being a show anymore. So that's Six why seasons in a movie. Yeah, that's why endings are not good. But now some show runners are being a lot more thoughtful about that and actually deciding to end on their own terms so they don't do what you're talking about, Shane. And Laura, you just that's great. And I'm really glad that your 
favorite musical TV show got to go out on its own terms. I will forever be ba- sad that Gallivant, Gallivant, my favorite, uh, my favorite. But Gallivant w- did not go out weird. on its own terms. Yeah, my favorite Just weird. Ended. I can't believe they even got a second season, though. Neither so, can it. Yeah. yeah. It, no, I know, right? The entire, <laughs> the entire ap- opening was, we can't believe we got a second season. I no know. one watches the show. Uh, it's so good. That wasn't even going to be my what's making me happy, but I'm just jumping in right now. And I'm going to say. Go for it. Gallivant. <laughs> that, that is what's making me happy. If you've not watched that show, go and do. It's Nate, you turned me onto that show. And I have to say that the the first season, at the very least, is like is like perfect. The first season of Gallivant was like great TV. I fell off a little bit towards the middle of the second oh, see, season, but that, and that, and that's, that's cool. I like personally, I would argue that the second season is even better than the first season. Uh, but they're both, they're both great. So uh, the, the second season goes way more into Timothy Odmanson, um, who I'm just a huge fan of. So that might be, you know, biased towards the second season, but both of those that that show and crazy ex-girlfriend if you're into musicals uh or not you'll become into musicals if you watch those shows so go and do that uh yeah good pick nate i love that show i uh i i should i should go back and finish the second season i don't know i don't even remember why i stopped watching it just sort of one of those things that sort of you know yeah. You know how it is with TV shows, it's particularly never urgent to watch Gallivant. But when you are watching it, you're very happy. So. Yeah, absolutely, yep, for sure. Well, the thing that's making me most happy this week also kind of relates to a TV show, but also not because uh, you know, uh, Shane, Nate, you weren't here last week for our episode. But the thing that was making me happy uh, last week's episode was uh, I talked a little bit about a show on Netflix called High Score Girl that I really liked. That's an anime. Um, I'm, I'm cool. Cool. Uh, I, am, I, am, I am very cool. Um, you opened anyway. the door for us and neither of us walked through it. And- I made no fun of him on the episode, so I can't say a word. I mean, I even talked about the Apollo space missions and poop, so I can't really judge Reagan. Yeah, yeah. None of you can, none of you can judge me. But anyway, it's, it's a pretty good show. And one of the climactic scenes in it uh, was a – so the show is uh, all – about these characters and how they relate to each other through the sort of arcade video game scene of the early or sorry of the late nineties. And there's a huge climactic conflict in which, uh, the two players are, uh, two characters are playing vampire hunter, dark stalkers revenge against each other. It's a fighting game that I wasn't familiar with. It's a Capcom fighting game, kind of similar to street fighter, but with a totally different vibe and something about it looked really cool, even though I'm not a fighting game person. And so I, and and it also looked a little familiar. So I was like, oh, I actually already own this game. I have this game for Sega Saturn. It came with my Saturn when I bought a, a bundle on eBay like three years ago. And I've basically, I basically that, never put it that on. Is a, that is a situation that happens only to a Reagan. I know. Not to, <laughs> oh, oh, I got this in a bundle. A Sega Saturn bundle I bought in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I I popped it in and, um, and, you know, I don't really, I've never really gotten into fighting games. I never really learned how to play them properly. Uh, They always were sort of um, confusing. Shane and I, when we played, the only fighting games we had as kids were uh, Virtua Fighter and Mortal Kombat. And mostly we would just like button mash until one of us got angry enough to hit the other one. And then we would stop. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of how. Or I would did. just try and like mash buttons to see the uh, the drunk guy fighter uh, drink. That's 
very memorable for me at that age. Yep, that was good stuff. Something, so to kind of explain what this game is, um, it, Vampire Hunter is part of, it's actually, um, that's the Japanese name in the US. It was called Night Warriors Darkstalkers Revenge, uh, the same game. Anyway, uh, it's a fighting game with a lot of similarities to Street Fighter, but it was Capcom's attempt to try to do something a little more over the top, a little less. I mean, Street Fighter is very over the top, but here all of the characters are based on monsters. So you have a Frankenstein type character, you have a vampire, you have a succubus, you have a uh, sort of creature from the Black Lagoon type fish man. Um, and, uh, my favorite, you have a Chinese hopping vampire. If you're not familiar, by the way, Chinese hopping vampires are a really fascinating Wikipedia hole to fall down. Um, the, in China, they have an entirely parallel separate, uh, uh, vampire mythology based on, uh, uh, rigor mortis corpses that, uh, can't walk because of their stiffness. So they have to hop like bunnies, uh, very weird. Anyway. I don't even know where to start with the freight with the sentence. If you're not familiar, familiar with Chinese hopping vampires. <laughs> yes. Unfamiliar. <laughs> it's a great Wikipedia Just hole. For the to record, fall down. unfamiliar. Un- unfamiliar. Uh-huh. Yes. Fake geek right here. Do not know what a Chinese hopping vampire is. So, um, I would say that like this game, this is sort of like the overwatch of the nineties. You know, Overwatch, like Overwatch, it's a game where it's got a it's a really dense mechanical game uh, that's you know got a lot of depth to it. Um, but it kind of bridges the like accessibility gap somewhat by presenting a a cast of very a very diverse cast of colorful, cartoonish characters. The art sort of straddles somewhere in between an anime style and a American cartoon style. They were clearly trying to kind of like walk that line and appeal to American consumers at the time. And um, all of the characters are fun, but I have been playing as uh, Sienko, the very cute Chinese hopping vampire who fights with gigantic metal claws. That's actually a pretty good description of Overwatch, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a uh, so this actually like it's not like Overwatch, but I think it, sure. it's using the same kind of like, you know, here's our really uh, interesting characters to kind of bring you into what's actually quite a difficult game to figure out. Based on that, I'm trying to learn how to play fighting games. Uh, I've I've been doing some reading. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos. I've been practicing. I've never really been good at fighting games before, but I'm interested to try. And I don't know if Darkstalkers is the right place to start, um, but it's... Uh, no. If it's, you're trying to get cool. into a mainstream genre, surely some obscure Sega Saturn game from the 90s is is clearly the way to start. So hey, I think it you're also doing had your... a port on the PlayStation 3, uh, <laughs> so you can play it there too if you want. Uh, well, uh, I'm sure that community is ripe, and there's uh, tournaments abound for you to hop into. You know, just like uh, just like Sienko herself, I'll hop right into those tournaments. So, well, Reagan, there is a uh, fighting game night down at Coral Sword. So next time you uh, come down uh, and visit me here in Houston, bring your Sega Saturn and your Dark Stalkers, <laughs> and uh, we'll drop in and see if we can school some some of those those young punks in a real game. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shade, I'm interested to know if you are going to bring us more Chinese hopping vampires on your most making me happy. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good transition from that <laughs> and it's really yep. drawing a blank. That's um, fine. Just, just act like it didn't happen and move on. Ancient mythological figures play some small role in my, in my pick of the week. Um, so the thing that's making me happy this week uh, is I kind of just stumbled on this show. Uh, it is called Lodge 49. Um, 
Lodge 49 is a kind of a slightly dark comedy uh, that's now had uh, just one season. And it is about a kind of a dim but genial beach bum named Dud, whose <laughs> life has kind of gone to shit after his uh, father died and the pool supply store that they ran together <laughs> uh, shuts down. Um, and in the first scene, he is uh, combing the beach with a uh, metal detector and he finds a uh, gold ring with a lynx on it. Um, and he finds this ring that turns out to be from the fraternal order of the lynx. Uh, and then his car breaks down right in front of the lodge, uh, Lodge 49, where he meets Ernie, uh, the luminous knight, who is also a plumbing salesman. Um so Dud is played by this um, actor that I've really come to like. I think I first saw him in the Richard Linklater movie, Everybody Wants Some, which is about just a, a Texas baseball team. Uh, and he plays this part so well. It's it, it's hard to tell even right at first, like, is Dud... Well, first, I, I had a hard time first making out, is Dud smart or dumb? That is, is that He's almost that hard to, hard to figure out. But... Um, the, the wonderful thing about the show, uh, the thing that I really love about it um, is that the writing is incredible um, and they they managed to pull off this incredible tightrope act of writing. The, the show is constantly uh, putting down this um, aura of uh, the magical and the uh, and the mystical with the kind of alchemical, beliefs of the lodge or uh you know philosophical stuff or coincidences uh and then just yanking that out from under your feet uh by like fully grounding everything in the real world like you know the the lodge exists partly by renting itself out for bingo nights uh there <laughs> literally nobody who's a member of the lodge really believes in their like alchemical stuff there you'll have an episode where there's like a, a scout breakfast interrupting some of the most mystical stuff that, uh, <laughs> that you Perfect. might have in the show. And the other thing that the show does incredibly well, uh, you know, you're always hearing the advice like show don't tell. Um, the show is full of these things that seem like non sequiturs, like Dud, when first introduced as a character, he goes and he's asleep on the floor of his old apartment that he's been kicked out of, but somehow still has a key to. And uh, he has a dream about a snake coming towards him. Uh, and, and, you know, these, these things that seem like, oh, well, maybe that's like a, 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 a mystical subtext or something. But they always bring these things back again and again in some interesting way. Like there's, it's, it's full of details that feel like they're throwaway details, but aren't. Uh, and so, you know, it turns out, Around the time Dud's father died, he quit surfing because he was bitten by a snake uh, and he can no longer surf. And like I said, it walks these tightropes between showing something about the character and then having the character just flat out tell you about it. One of the things that's great about Dud is he might not be like the smartest guy in the room, but what he is really good at is articulating what's going on for him. You know, he is a guy with a lot of sadness and pain, even though he's simultaneously always positive, hmm. you know, 
always seems like the happiest guy in the room, but also like so- somehow the saddest guy in the room. And uh, when he does talk about himself in that way, it's some of the best writing in the show. So that's that's my pick. Uh, this is on AMC, so you can find it anywhere you can watch AMC shows. It has some incredible guest stars that I won't uh, I won't name because the surprise is just too good. Uh, Bill Murray, better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all I really can say about the show without spoiling any of it. I don't want to tell you much about what actually happens. Uh, I will cry tears, real tears, if this show doesn't get a second season. Mm. Well, I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the ringing endorsement. So before we go to our spoiler break, since we will be uh, doing some spoilers, let's do the admin and outro here before we go to spoilers. So thank you very much for listening to The, the Short Game. Uh, you can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find our show notes page full of uh, past episodes. You can search for things. You, If you're interested in a particular game, go see if we've covered it in the past. If we haven't, let us know about that game. There's a contact form on the page, or you can email us at the info at the short game, info at the short game.net, or you can find us on Twitter at underscore short game. Uh, we love to hear from you. We love to hear games that you are interested in or games that are upcoming that you think might be right for the show. You can also find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. Shane, where can people find you? Also on Twitter at 8BitShane. And Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. But I also want to do what is my favorite thing to do on this show is give a quick shout out to someone who did leave us a a really, really nice uh, five-star review on iTunes. It really means the world to us when people you know, take we've, the time. We continue to stay uh, iTunes review, and they have they no longer call it that. It is is Apple Podcasts. True? Yep. All right. So Podcast leave us a review on you. Apple Podcasts. Doesn't matter. We still like you. It's, yes. Yeah. I, whatever you call it, someone out there has taken the time to write something nice about us. And it really means the world to us because we do this show uh, completely just out of the joy of these games and like talking about them. So when someone out there actually takes the time to tell us that they appreciate it, we really, really love it. So, Nat Sun Emoji, whoever you are, wherever you are, said amazing and a lot of fun, plus a whole paragraph of really nice things. Thank you. Uh, we really, really appreciate the kind words. And if you're out there and you listen to the show, take a few minutes. Tell us what you think. We would love to hear from you. Thank you, Nate. And thank you for listening to The Short Game. Here it is, your spoiler break. So before we talk about endings, I just want to give a couple shout outs to some of my favorite narrative things I didn't want to spoil. Um, I loved that the wizards were lesbians and I enjoyed the lesbian love story in the last act and I didn't Me want to too. spoil that. I was really uh, And happy. when they decided to have a baby, they just did, I think, by magic. They did. They magically had a baby and it was great and they didn't even worry about it. Um, yep. Now, of course, that baby was doomed because this is a sad story, but... Um, the baby didn't die, which I thought was going to happen. Instead, uh, the 
for those who have not played the game and are just getting spoiled, what happens is that you can prov- you can see the future and you the, their job is to prevent bad things from happening. Uh, not like Minority Report where they're caressing people, but like they'll see a fire happen and they need to stop the fire from happening. Yeah, like, the, the whole setup for that one was lovely. They're like these these wizards that live in a in a castle and uh, they will just sort of magically use a special magic room to teleport to places like an apartment building that's about to burn down and uh, make sure that the locks aren't broken so people can get out. Uh, so nice. So what nice. A, a, and then they fall idea. in love and they have a baby yes. and then they, of mm-hmm. course, look in the future and the baby's doomed. And what do you do? Maybe you murder someone. But that's the thing. <laughs> Hmm. Whoops. That's not even the tragedy. That's not even the tragedy. I'd like to hit all five stories, just kind of briefly summarize so that yeah. we, we can have that out of the way. Absolutely. Um, I just wanted to the Alchemist, up on that one. Uh, I was excited. You have, yeah, that is it's the best one. Um, in The Alchemist, uh, a old man uh, caring for a young girl. Um, he's an alchemist. Uh, she is poisoned by a terrible... Uh, uh, plant that turns her bright red and promises to kill her. Uh, he comes up with a cure. Uh, warning warning cure. for m- mental illness, sort of. Uh, harm yeah, to uh, a child. Um, yeah. Yes to yeah. all. Spoiler spoiler warnings trigger and trigger warnings about this game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, why I was so saying the, this, this first one really sets the tone that like, oh, yeah. a child can die. Okay, once you okay, cross yeah, that like line, violent. in quite a yeah. violent, not, not just die, but like distressing loses way. her mind and becomes so terrified of her own caretaker that she kills herself. So rough, rough stuff. That's the end of the story. Uh, he's got regrets. Uh, in the athlete, a uh, a pro diver uh, is part of a diving team. Uh, she has a promising career, but she starts doing steroids because some of her friends are. Uh, but she out, out outpaces them, uh, and uh, they s- report her uh, for her drug use. Uh, she's shamed. She's driven out of the sport. Uh, and in one of my favorite kind of combinations of story and mechanics, uh, as they, um, the diving puzzles are essentially like pachinko puzzles, dropping a ball. Uh, as she is kicked out of the team. Uh, you start having puzzles that play themselves, making you feel left out. Uh, she basically winds up homeless. Yeah, my favorite part of that was that when you start doing drugs, suddenly really weird uh, physics stuff starts happening in little bubble areas. So you're like, oh, I'm upping my steroid use so I can suddenly shoot extremely high. It's it's really satisfying. The Jailer was probably the most depressing story to me, and that says something in one about, uh, in a you know, something that where you lead with, you know, the death of a child. I also say the jailer to me was the one that I went, this story, interesting. Why is this story being told? Because it's basically um, a kind of Native American uh, settler colonialist narrative where uh, you become the jailer for your own people after they have stolen food from the colonizers. So... Real, real left turn you're, from like jailer is a bit of a light. Like you're, they're they're essentially being kept as slaves, and it's yes, extremely slaver. dark. Slaver, it is. You are a, slave, a traitorous yes. slave master to your own people, which is real nasty. And it's, I this was and when they try to force 
the this character to kill one of his ca- own people, they're a captive who for stealing food when she is starving, he turns the gun on them and everybody dies. Including his baby. And his regret is that he didn't kill them all sooner. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I everyone love has these that. regrets. Well, this whole story was like ooh, um I I I I don't know if I even even days after having played that portion of the game, I'm not sure 100% how I feel about it, but like that was hmm, I don't know. Um I hmm. I'm uh, on board for that story to be honest. Like that I, I wanted him to kill them all. I kind of, I almost did that as my end. You, you get to pick one of these characters at the very end who can go back and rewrite their own story. And I picked one, basically I picked my favorite story, uh, which was The Preventer. Uh, but if I were choosing based on who I thought most needed a chance to rewrite their tale, it would have been The Jailer. Yeah, for me, I... I- I was, you know, all for him killing everybody, but I didn't want to see that. So I didn't choose him because I was like, I don't want to see him kill everybody. Like, I don't want that to be my last experience with this game. So it it was an interesting push-pull. The journalist was one where... uh, When we got into that, I was like, oh, a story about a print journalist. Finally one that's definitely going to end well. (laughs) Yeah, this one... uh, So this was, to me, the weakest story and the weakest puzzles. Yes, I agree. Yeah, the puzzles were definitely, yeah, this is where I stopped playing. Um, This is the next to last one. I wish I'd powered through because it does sound like the last one is the best. And I I will probably go back and finish it. But like this left me pretty cold on both a narrative and puzzle level. And yeah, the puzzles were particularly like not good like when you when i could solve them they weren't satisfying when i could not solve them they were infuriating but what it's about is basically (laughs) a guy has a really uplifting positive newsletter uh newspaper it's not selling well he turns to the daily hate and becomes a really angry newsletter but unfortunately he gets well i guess fortunately for his money and unfortunately for the entire world it becomes the most best-selling newspaper of all time and everyone goes apeshit being horrible to each other. And eventually one of his former employees reads an editorial called Fired, It's Your Fault, and blows the place up. So The Daily Hate is the magazine that, or the newspaper that also outs the... Steroid user. The steroid user. And then our final story, The Preventer. Uh, There is a uh, secret castle full of wizards uh, who each dress in color-coordinated robes and pointy hats. It is... Uh, witches, I guess you might say. They look, look more like traditional witches, I guess. And uh, their role is they use a crystal ball to identify uh, horrible things that are about to happen, uh, go through this little doorway, and change them. They do not um, prevent any of the previous stories. <laughs> you'd think that would be how they tie it together, but it isn't. But it isn't. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and so one of them, the two of them fall in love. Uh, they are uh, having a baby. Uh, one of them looks forward in time and sees that that child uh, run over by a car in his future and dies. Uh, she, in a tragic scene, uh, basically lays with him while he is dying. Uh, and then later, when she is saving people from a fire, she finds the uh, person who 
was driving a car that in the future would kill her child. Uh, and she saves everyone but him, leaving him to die. Thus preventing her baby from dying. Yes, saving her baby's life in the future. Um, the time police uh, catch her. And her wife tries to cover for her. Uh, they both go to jail and their child is taken away. And she does, again, she doesn't regret killing the dude. She's like, I regret that my I let my wife cover for me. They deserve, she and my baby were innocent. So I should have just taken the blame and let them live their lives. So all of these are very bittersweet endings that, so at the end, so all these stories are told. Um, everyone's in this Man, weird... I think, I think uh, you have a different definition of bittersweet than I. This is straight bitter. Oh, they're just tragic. Okay. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, even if you redeem any of these stories, they're still not happy endings. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. So, like, everyone wants to go back and change something, but the alchemist's daughter will still die. Like, but the, you know... Yeah, his regret was actually jail. giving her the cure, not... And, and not letting her die. So, So what happens there? So I chose, so you end, you get to pick one of these people and it's cool. They like, they use your camera and they like put yourself, your picture in the, the mirror and you can see yourself. So you could, you, you are the judger of these people and you actually get to kind of vote. Uh, they go up a staircase and you take a little slider and there's people on either side and you choose one of the stories or one of the other and they beg you as you're sliding Ooh. towards someone else. The other one will be like, no, my daughter. And then you like slide over and he's like, but my people. So like you're actually like tortured as you're trying to choose between them. Anyway. Yeah, it, it basically makes you rank them kind of one against another uh, yeah. until one of them is left. And right. then the person that you've chosen, they get to undo their greatest regret. And... um yeah. Yeah, I I chose the alchemist. Um and this is where I say that you get a bittersweet ending even in the um even in the good ending. So you choose the alchemist. I chose the alchemist, the guy at the beginning, uh goes back in time and instead of researching the cure while his granddaughter uh presumably Cleo is dying, he takes her out to ice cream. He goes out with her. Like there's all these pictures of them. Like she's red faced. Um, the idea is that this sickness could take her at any time, but instead of spending all of her remaining time doing research, he spends it with her. So they have a really great time. There's all these great photographs of them hanging out. And then there's a picture of him like by her grave and crying. Um, then they show him back at his desk and he's studying and studying and studying and studying. Um, you he creates he gets old he you even older than he is and you get a little um like fountain i guess like a little dispenser that he makes so then you see his grave um and the little flowers on her grave wilt for the first time because no one's watering it but you see another guy with a red-faced son come drink the water from the sensor the sun is cured and goes so it's implied that he finds the right cure after she's passed and so he gets to save other people, even though he didn't save his daughter or granddaughter. And during that time, uh, you know, he he had a good time with her, spent the rest of his life doing the right cure and saved other people. So it's sad because the kid dies. But like, honestly, it's about as good an ending as I could have thought, especially for one where the last picture is two graves. Like. It's a pretty good ending. Like, he cures <laughs> yeah, other people. Yeah. He yeah. gets a good time with his 
granddaughter. I chose The Preventer uh, because that was my favorite story overall. And uh, of course, her regret was that she involved her wife and child in the uh, in the deception and murder. Um, so she goes back and she confesses. Uh, she she kills the man and then she immediately calls the police. They come and they take her away. Uh, she's shown in prison. Uh, time passes, uh, but she is receiving photographs in the mail uh, handed to her by a guard in, in an envelope. She's taking them out and they're all photos of uh, her wife raising their, their son happily together. Uh, she's a single mom and she seems exhausted, but she's together with her child. Um, years and years go by. Eventually, she is finally released from prison. Uh, she goes and she finds that her uh, her wife has a new family uh, and she uh, weeps as she looks at them from outside the house and then walks away. So, but the, the, the wife and the son have grown up happy and she's found new love and uh, it's a it's a happy family that she she wishes she could have so also a bummer but you know the those who are innocent in this did did not suffer so um, that's uh, that's about the best you can hope for in <laughs> yeah. photographs Whew. yeah those are cool pretty rough fun um, yeah <laughs> well um I think we'll call it there. Uh, if you are still listening, uh, thank you for listening to The Short Game. We are going to be back next week with another episode. Uh, looks like probably Rolando. Uh, if you haven't played it, if you didn't play it in the ancient history of the App Store, Rolando was one of the first really great iPhone games. And it was not available for quite a long time because it was not updated to work on modern devices. It's now been not only updated, but remade. So it's a new game. Even if you purchased the old game, you have to buy it again. But it's a new purchase for a basically a remake of the of Rolando. And I've always had great memories of Rolando. I'm really looking forward to playing it again. Uh, so I'm looking forward to next week on The Short Game. I can't wait. Rolando, it's back, baby.